Hello and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 58. Um, unfortunately I do not have Laura with me today, which is my fault, just uh, scheduling conflicts and sick kids and all of that stuff made it impossible for us to meet up this month, but hopefully next month he will be back on. So before we jump into things, I did want to give a little bit of Station News, remind everybody that my website is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And there you can find the podcast and listen to the episodes and just subscribe to the RSS feed is the best way. And if you had any suggestion, comments, ideas for shows, anything like that, feel free to give me an email at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. And that email address can be found on the webpage as well. So, I do believe that is everything that I need to mention today. Um, so, last time, obviously, Stu was on, and we talked about parenting and stuff like that, and I enjoyed that. Thank you to Stu. Um, it just got me kind of thinking about other things, so this time, I'm sort of going to get into, like, I guess you'd say the morals of the gods, or the lessons the gods can teach us, and how maybe we can pass those down to our children. Because I figure that's always a good thing to do. Um, so I guess I'll just jump in. The morals that the gods teach us. Well, I guess first of all, I'd want to say... What do you say? Um, I think that the gods are good. I think that most of us would agree with that. Uh, I mean, also true people. So we can look to them for guidance on how we should perhaps deal with our own lives. Um, we can see what the gods do and say, well, that's a thing that maybe we would want to do ourselves. Uh, so anyway, if you take that as true, then we can continue. Um, obviously, some people don't. You could have the idea that the gods were just people and everything they did wasn't good or bad. It was just what they decided to do. Um, I guess that would could be a belief you had, but at that point in time, I don't see why you'd be honoring and looking to the gods in the first place, and I don't really see that you'd necessarily be also true if you didn't think you could learn anything from the gods. So, though that's a belief some people may hold, it doesn't seem like it would be an also true belief. So, I'm going to start with the premise that we think the gods are good, and they are something we can look to for guidance. Um... Some of the lessons are pretty obvious. You can look at Thor and see that strength is one of his attributes. So we can think that we ourselves should be strong. And I'm not so much talking about physical strength, um, so much as I'm talking like a fortitude of standing up for what's right and stuff like that. He also has honesty, of course, and um, hard work, which comes up with a lot of the other gods and goddesses. Uh, Frigga. I think, has a little bit to do with hard work and Fraholda, and there's a lot of other examples. Uh, a general thing in Asatru is pride. I think that we can see a lot of our gods are proud of what they've done, and sometimes boastful, but I don't think boastful's a necessarily negative thing. I think you should be proud of your work. And knowledge, which is one that sometimes is undervalued, in my personal opinion, though that could be because it's an important thing to me. Um, Odin is the most obvious example. He's obviously a god of knowledge. Everything he does is 
foreknowledge to become stronger. Uh, I shouldn't say everything because actually probably the biggest thing that he does is look out for his folk by sort of ensuring that the that Ragnarok um, comes at the appropriate time and not too early. And, you know, he makes sure that we come out victorious in Ragnarok and the giants don't overrun the world. But knowledge is obviously another really big part of of his character. Like that story when he goes and he talks to the giant, he has a battle of wits for the sole purpose of becoming more wise. Um, so knowledge is a big part of who he is and what he represents. So we can therefore take that example and be more wise or knowledgeable ourselves. Um, the goddesses, I just want to say in general, are important. I mean, Frigga is on equal standing with Odin. You know, she's equally clever and even comes out ahead quite a few times if they have their own uh, battle of the wits, I guess you could say. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, Freya also is a goddess that I really look up to and appreciate because she's very strong-willed. And many of the stories, one of the ones that will be coming up later as we continue reading the lore, uh, the whole thing with the Brisung necklace and the dwarves and everything, she very much knows what she wants and goes out there and gets it. So uh, why I'm bringing that up is probably because in particular I have daughters and I like to remember that in Ossetru, women are very... Um, uh, powerful and strong and I think that you could say it's uh, an equal footing women and men have basic equal rights so there's not an idea that women are supposed to be meek and just do whatever men tell them to and I think that's another good moral that we really need to take from from the lore and the yeah from the lore and something interesting, I went to this um, Viking museum, which was in Cincinnati, I think. It's like a traveling exhibit. Anyway, if anybody wants to go, you definitely should. It's um, it's really good, and it's here in the States at the moment. I think it may have started overseas, and it might go back overseas, but it's kind of a famous exhibit where it's trying to give a more fair interpretation of the Vikings instead of being like, oh, we just pillage and burn stuff a lot. It tries to give like the day-to-day -day lives and the um, making food. Like uh, there was uh, some artifacts that they used to make bread and stuff like that and, and beads and clothing and a lot of neat stuff. And we took the girls there, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, if anyone has kids, I suggest definitely do that because it's, it's a fun time. Um, but one of the things that I learned there is the raiders, when they, when the Vikings went raiding or whatever, and you know, uh, raiding, I think everyone knows what raiding is, attacking coast on the village or whatever, women would do that too. So I think that is something that, uh, pop culture is perhaps not known or at the very least not known well that women would take part in that too, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, not because I think raiding was the high point of our people, because it wasn't, but just that even in an activity like that, which we think of as a thing that only men would do, actually women would do too. So so that's cool. There's a lot of our history and a lot of um, a lot of the lore that shows that women are on equal standing with men. 
And on occasion, and this is not the, I don't know if this is the norm, but there's plenty of sexism in every aspect of our life, and that is even among us true people. If you're looking at certain groups online, there is still a decent amount of sexism. Um, and I don't know why that is, maybe because people see it as macho, because Vikings are macho, but our people, I don't think anyway, our people, and especially our ancient people, were huge sexists, and I definitely don't think the gods are sexists, because the women hold very important roles in there. Um, Freya being the best example, where she actually has the first pick of the battle slang, uh, who she saves for, like, after Ragnarok or whatever, but like the best people. And then in Valhalla, Odin has the like second round of people. So even Freya is in charge of like a whole hall of warriors. So obviously she's doing some very important work. Anyway, all of that's a little bit of a tangent. Um, <clears throat> but it's something that I wanted to mention because there's all these different things and morals and virtues that we can see from the gods. And then we may want to emulate those. And a lot of those morals and virtues are the things I'm bringing up in the lore readings that we're doing. Um, so, right, I'm bringing those up in the lore readings. And another thing I'm doing in the lore readings is kind of pointing out things that you may at first glance think are not virtuous, or they're like immoral actions that the gods are doing, and trying to show that those are actually not immoral most of the time. Um, I won't get into specific examples, because that's kind of what the lore readings are about, but I'm just taking a moment to say that there are morals presented in the lore, and that's something that, that we really should uh, pay attention to, and use that to inspire ourselves to be better people. And of course, they're the ones that I've already mentioned, like strength, hard work, pride, knowledge, stuff like that. We should try to be better about those in ourselves. But on the other hand, uh, your own personal development is obviously extremely important, but you've also got like the development of your kids and stuff like that. And I also think it's very important to try to find a way to pass those same morals down to your children. And more than that, just pass also true ideals in general down to your... <coughs> Excuse me. Try to pass also true ideals in general down to your children. So like the importance of family, the importance of the gods and stuff like that. And the question is always exactly how you do that. So I did want to bring up a couple examples of maybe things that I've done. Last month we did our austera bloat, which is um, always a good bloat, and we had the girls present at it. And this isn't the first time the girls have been present. Of course, with a two-year-old and a one-year-old, they, they focus better than maybe you think, I think. And I think they um, pay attention and behave better than you may think. But they're still kids, so there's still a lot of still a lot of running around and being crazy. And a lot of your attention is spent um, trying to keep them in line and keeping them focused and stuff like that. So in a normal situation, if there was a distraction, you would try to avoid that distraction. So if I was doing 
bloat, and I knew that at 8 o'clock a train went by, I would schedule bloat for 8.15, so I know that I would skip that distraction because it would make it harder for me to connect to the gods and harder to effectively run the ritual or whatever. Um, so you could think, well, kids are a distraction and we should make sure that since you have kids and you know there'll be a distraction and you know the kids go to bed at 8, you should start bloat at 8.15 once the kids are already in bed so you're not distracted and you can really focus on connecting to the gods. And I don't think that argument is completely without merit because I suppose you would have a stronger connection to the gods because your mind is 100% focused on it and you don't have to worry about being distracted by your kids. But on the other hand, and, and my opinion is even though kids can be distracting, as a parent you sort of have a duty and an obligation to expose your kids to your own belief systems and to Ossetro and to give them a chance to connect to the gods. Now obviously it's not going to be the same level or the same kind of connection that maybe you have. But I think the idea of your kids growing up in a situation where they have the the gods and Ossetru being a, a common known name. So what I mean is Thor is a well-known name. The first time they hear, or when they're older, and they hear Thor, they don't think, oh, that's the thing that I learned about when I was 18 and my parents introduced me to the religion they were. They don't have a beginning of that word or that relationship with that God. Because me, I was not raised as true as most people are not. So I have a definite beginning. I can say, okay, I learned about the gods at this point in time. Before this point in time, I had no idea about them. And after this point, I had an idea about them. So my knowledge has a beginning. And I think the idea of your knowledge not having a beginning, like with your mother or your father, intellectually you know that you met them when you were born. But you don't remember that. You don't remember a point in your life when you didn't know your mom and your dad. Um, if you're like me, you don't know a point in your life when you didn't know your grandma and grandpa, even though I don't know the first time they met me. Maybe it's a week after I was born. Let's just say that's the case. But they are a constant part of my life, which doesn't have a beginning because I met them before, like, solid memories started forming. So they, <coughs> excuse me, so they've become like a really integral part of who and what I am. And I think the idea of the gods being a really integral part of who your kids are is a great opportunity. If they grow up to be Ostru or not is a little bit irrelevant. It would be nicer if they grew up to be Ostru because then they would say, like, these gods are something that I remember literally from childhood. But even if not, it's it's nice to have a worldview where from your earliest memories and from a very young age your world is shaped by these particular gods and morals. So all of that is just saying, if you have kids, I think you should bring them to your bloats. And I'm not saying you have to do every single bloat. Maybe you have some bloats that you're, um, you want to be more like adult themed in the sense that you want to talk about like really serious, um, 
adult things, you know. If you were bringing your kid to a bloat, maybe you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to bring up death in a real serious manner all that much. I mean, maybe you would, but I, I would think that a two-year-old child, you don't want to be talking about, like, people who have died and stuff like that, whereas maybe you would want to discuss that at a bloat. So maybe at that bloat, you wouldn't have the kids come. But then at another bloat, you would have the kids come. Anyway, I think at the very least, it's a good idea to have your kids come to some of your bloats. You know, even if you have a kindred or whatever, you can decide whatever works for you, obviously, but it might be a good idea to be like, well, we're going to have our own personal bloats where the kids come and then the main kindred bloats. <laughs> if it works, have the kids come to those too. That'd be great. Um, if it doesn't work, then, you know, maybe you could have your own personal bloats where the kids come. I know a lot of our own kindred because we're all on a uh, um, some of my kin's members are on a later schedule. You know, the bloat might not start till nine. It's not done till ten, and I don't really want the kids to be awake till ten o'clock. So, a decent number of those bloats, it will be just the adults, and that gives us the added benefit of being able to talk about darker concepts like death, if we so desire. But and the kids have been to a few of those bloats when everyone was coming earlier. But then we do our own family bloats as well when we're like, okay, this is going to be with the kids, and it's going to be a a challenge to like, <coughs> excuse me, it's going to be a challenge to put yourself in the might in the right mindset and everything, because part of your attention does have to be focused on making sure the kids are are um, behaving and safe and all of that. But I think the challenge is is definitely worth it because uh, just to share that aspect of your life with your children is um is actually something very powerful because i mean religion is going to be something that's important to you and it's something that you think will make your life better and therefore it's something that you think is going to make your kids life better as well and to get them into it at an early age is a really strong thing um, and to hear your kids, and you know, if they truly understand what you're doing, or if they're just parenting you, uh, parroting you, is a good question, and I, I think a decent part of it is just parroting you, but I don't know, maybe there's more to it, but when you, when you hail the gods, and you say hail whoever, and then they say hail whoever, it's, it's really a cool moment to see your kids, like, hailing one of your gods. I mean, that's that's a cool moment. And I mean, just for that moment, everything everything would have pretty much been worthwhile anyway. And there's so many other reasons it's worthwhile as well. But yeah, that was a really cool thing, because that's one of the things that happened at the Ostera Bloat, because, you know, the uh, the kids are slowly getting more and more comfortable with language and really being able to understand it. So the older one said, hail whoever we were hailing. And it was just a really a cute thing for one but also a really cool thing to be like i'm really passing something important and something powerful down to my children that will now become a part of their lives hopefully um so yeah i just want to caution people who are like uh well 
the kids, they're not going to understand it anyway. So for convenience sake, we're not, we're just not going to have them come to bloat. I, I think that really might be a mistake. Um, I think it's really powerful to have the kids come to bloat. And now, of course, you have another question where you could say, oh, but the kids, they're not ready to make this decision yet. <laughs> I mean, what religion they're going to be? They're way too young. That's fair. They shouldn't be deciding what religion they're going to be. They shouldn't be owing to a kindred when they're two years old because they are too young. But there's a fine line. So if you're like me, you don't want to push your religion on your kids and force your kids to be your religion. So it would be inappropriate to be like, hey, come to bloat and say I love the gods and you get a cookie. That's not fair because that's pushing your thoughts on somebody else. But I think we have to be careful not to go the other way, where we're so careful, we're so paranoid that we're pressing our ideas on our children that we just hide our ideas from our kids. You know, if you're just like, well, I don't want to influence, I don't want to push my ideas on them, so I'm just not going to mention that I'm also true, ever. They just won't know what religion I am. And that's sort of doing a disservice because you have all this knowledge and all these experiences that you could pass on to your kids and I think as a parent you have to at least expose them <coughs> um, at least expose them to the things that you think so yeah I'm not saying you have to force them to think the way you do but you should at least expose them to the thoughts that you have and expose them to your ideas and ideals and your religion would obviously be one of those so again I just think from that perspective too if you want them to be able to make an informed decision about what religion they're going to be, the one religion that you can, with confidence, explain to them and show them would be the religion that you are. So again, I think it's really important for you to involve your kids in bloat and stuff like that when they're younger. Again, I don't think they should be taking O's when they're two and three years old. That's ridiculous. Nonetheless, to be exposed, I, I do not think that is pushing your religion on your kids. I think that is just presenting your religion to your kids, and then they can decide if they want to keep coming as they get older. Okay, so kids at bloat was a big one to pass our ways down to other people, because that's one of the things where our ways are legitimately different than a lot of other people's ways. Um, we go to bloat. So that's something you'd want to include your kids in. Uh, another thing you might want to like in, do with your kids to sort of get them to understand Ossetru, <coughs> excuse me, is just tell them stories. Like, tell them stories about the gods. Um, I've been doing that a little bit. I, I want to do it more, actually. But I've been doing that a little bit, telling um, both my kids just, like, stories about the gods. And, and I'm not saying you, like, pick up the Eddas and you read verbatim from the Eddas, because some of that language is a little archaic. They're probably not going to understand it. But it just put it in, and I talked to Stu about this a bit, too, if it sounds familiar. You just put it in, like, common everyday English when you're like, okay, these are the gods, these are what they do. And it's kind of neat, because as you do that, you realize how much you don't know or how much maybe you don't understand as well as you should or maybe even thought you did, because you're putting it into your own words. But also, I think, most people have a pretty good grasp of the basic tenets of the lore, which is what you're passing down to kids. They don't need the intricities and small details um, 
here and there. Uh, they need like the main overarching story or the main overarching principle of what the story is about and and you can put it into your own words and tell it in simple in a simple way to your kids and i think that's cool again because the our own lore and our own stories will be ingrained in them and part of them from a young age it will not be i remember when i read this story when i was 20 years old like it is with most of us, rather it'll be like, oh, I know that story. I intrinsically know that story because I have been hearing and being told that story since I was two years old before I really had permanent memories. And it's just, it, it sort of becomes part of them. Because I think the stories that we read, or more correctly, the stories that are read to us or told to us, in a very deep way become part of who and what we are because they're just a constant you know these stories are as old as us and they've been part of us obviously most stories are older than us but uh the stories that you're read to as a child just become part of you because the stories are as old as you and to have <coughs> and to have the lore be counted as those stories that are old of you as old as you and just an integral part of you i think would be really cool um being Ossetruers and being young Ossetruers, well, for my listeners, I'm old. But if my listeners are young, um, and you know you haven't had a family yet, or you're just starting a family now, we're put in a really exciting position where we can give our kids things that we never had. Um, sorry. Um... Anyway, we're in a really exciting position where we can give our kids things that we never had. And, and you know, some of those things are like, we, we raised them better than we were raised, maybe. Um, but some of those other things could be like, like introducing them to Ossetru as a young kid. I mean, how many of us grew up with Ossetru as children? Anybody? I mean, I would be guessing no. I wouldn't think that anybody out there had parents who were, like, actively Ossetru when they were kids and grew up Ossetru. So, I don't know what kind of difference that's going to make. I don't know how much that's going to change um, your kid's worldview. But I think it'd be good, because I think a lot of the Ossetru morals are really good. And a lot of them are shared by... You know, most other religions. There's basic things like, don't murder innocent people. Yeah, that's what Austria would say, but that's what every major religion would say. Um, be a hard worker. Most major religions say that, too. Um, be strong and stand up for what's right. Most major religions say that, too. So those are all good things that we share with other major religions. But then pride is less likely. I think that there's a big focus in some religions about humbleness and being humble and don't take pride in your work because you're a terrible person or whatever the reason is. And I think that's one that we should, could pass on to our kids. And knowledge, that knowledge is a very, very important thing. And not for some ends like, oh, you should be smart so you could get a good job or whatever. But like, you should be smart because there is great joy in learning. Um, some other ways of thought don't focus on that so much um the importance of oaths is a big one which um though most most other ways of thought don't think you should go around the line they don't maybe focus 
on just how important an oath is. And for our kids, we can start there and focus on, like, an oath is really important. And it's just so many hurdles that I think I personally, as well as other people that I've met, have trouble with, like, I was raised to believe this, and as I've become older and really looked at it, I see that's not a thing I believe, really, and that's not a thing I want to believe. But even though intellectually I can say that, it affects me on maybe a subconscious level where I feel weird about it. Pride is the big one for me. It's like, I believe you should be proud of your work. Intellectually, I can say that, and I agree with that, and I think that's true. Nonetheless, I feel weird when I take pride in something I did. I'm like, oh, am I just being a braggart? with the assumption that bragging is bad, which, you know, it's not. It's like, maybe I'm just being arrogant. And obviously, being arrogant is not good, but being humble isn't good either. You should take pride in your work, a reasonable, healthy, fair amount of pride. And I always feel weird when I do take pride in my work. And the times I take pride in my work are at blow because we have a post-brag round. But I feel weird taking pride in my work. And I think most people do. Um, I've talked to a lot of other people about that. And it's like, yeah, I feel weird taking pride in my work because you're supposed to be humble. But I don't think you should be humble. So I like the idea that when my kids grow up, they will not feel weird about taking pride in their work. They're just like, well, I did this thing. I worked really hard to do this thing. Of course I'm proud of myself because I did it with my own two hands. And... <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I have a bit of a cold. Um, apparently, if your kids are in daycare, they're always sick, which means you're always sick. So I'm still adjusting to that. Anyway, um, yeah, I just think it'd be really cool to have the idea that, you know, the girls grow up and they just naturally take pride in their work. They don't have that. I know this is right, but it feels weird. They don't have that. This feels weird for all of these things where there's like an emotional and intellectual dissonance between like, well, this is what I believe, and I've got good reason, so I know it's true, but you still feel emotionally this other way, and there's that dissonance, which is hard to overcome sometimes. And it'll be neat, since they were raised with these different ideas, that maybe they don't, they won't have that dissonance. So, um, I, I think by telling the stories and and talking about what those stories mean too, um, you can you can really in, improve your kids' lives in a lot of neat ways. So I think that's a really really cool thing. Um, another thing is a saying that I used to always hear in Austria. I don't hear it as much as I used to, but on occasion you will. And it's 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 a good saying. It's um, Austria isn't a religion; it's a way of life. And I completely 100% agree with that. Uh, it's not, this is just a thing that we do once a month. We get together and we're like, oh, no, let's, it's, it's the second Saturday of the month. Let's think about the gods. It's like, oh, it's the second Saturday of the month. Oh, gods, they exist. Whew, forgot about that. That's not what it's supposed to be. And it's not, okay, we're up low, so let's ask, act moral. But then as soon as we leave, we're going to start lying to people and breaking our oaths. It's about, and, and before I go further, I should say probably every religion practiced the same way would be a way of life. So 
I'll grant that. But it's about making the gods a part of your life on a daily basis and especially following the morals of the gods on a regular basis. Every day you want to be a hard worker. Every day you want to learn something new. Every day you want to be proud of your accomplishments and work hard to have more accomplishments to be more proud of. Every day you want to keep your O's. There, you don't take days off from that. You always keep your O's. And I think... It's cliche. It is a cliche. Um, actions speak louder than words. That's not what I'm thinking. Oh, do as I say, not as you're told. This idea that... Um, sorry, lost my train of thought. Anyway, um, the point that I am making is regardless of what you tell your children is right and wrong... What they're really going to internalize and really believe is right and wrong is what you do. So no matter how many times you say lying is wrong, if you turn around and lie to them, they're not really going to think lying is wrong because you did it. And you're, you are their idol. As a parent, you are always right. You know, in these early years. When they get to be 13, that's not true anymore. Um... And actually, sometimes I wonder in these early years how much they idolize you because they're pretty confrontational at moments. But, but I, I mean, even in the late years, and you know, there's that teenage rebelliousness and everything, but even in the late years, I think that most people will look back at their parents and respect what they say and have a sort of give them a, the benefit of the doubt and be like, well, my dad says this is the case and this is the way to think, so I'm actually going to think about that real hard. I'm not just going to dismiss it. Um, we all, or when we're young, but also when we're adults, idolize our parents to some extent and we look at how they act and how they interact with situations to get everything from our ideas of what is right and wrong to how we cope with situations. So, like that saying, also true isn't a religion, it's a way of life, we need to live an also true life in front of our children so they can see how we act. They can see what we think is right and wrong. They can see what we're doing and uh, hopefully emulate that. Um, and that's something I always said about also true when we're talking about growth and all this other stuff. And... Um, uh, growth is a fine thing if you want to go out and tell everybody about also true and tell them they should be also true. That's great. As long as you don't get weird and pushy. Um, that's great. But I, I think one of the biggest things in growth and, and, and especially when you're talking about a kindred and starting a kindred and stuff like that is to live in a certain way, like be the honorable person, be the good person, be the honest person, and then at some point in time, when you have friends, and they're like, by the way, what religion are you, because I notice you're not a mainstream religion, you don't go to church on Sunday, or whatever, you'd be like, oh, I'm also true, and then I think automatically, they're going to be like, okay, well, he's not a terrible human being, and he's also true, so maybe it's not a terrible religion, and that's a way that Maybe you could make Ostertruth look good, I guess you'd say. But anyway, in the same way, um, if you live a good, honorable life where you are a moral person and you look for knowledge yourself, your kids will see that. 
um, your kids will see that and be like, okay, well, maybe this is a good way to live. Because look, dad lives that way. Dad doesn't punch me in the gut. So maybe punching people in the gut's not a thing that I should do. And will your kids deviate from that and get mad and hit you sometimes? Yes, they will. But deep down, I think that as they look to your example, they are taking that in and they are internalizing it. And the thing is, people are just naturally violent to some extent. And kids are always going to go through hitting phases. It it doesn't matter if you hit them or not. No matter how nonviolent you are, kids will always go through hitting phases. But as they get older, will they continue to do that? And will they deal with their aggression and rage? Will their coping mechanism be hitting other people? Will it be throwing things around and breaking it? Um, Well, a lot of that has to do with the coping mechanisms, not just that you teach them, but they see you use. What do you do when you get mad? Do you punch a wall? Do you punch them in the face because you're frustrated? Please, no one punch their babies in the face. That's not okay. Um, What do you do? What do you do when you get mad? Do you stomp? Do you take a deep breath and count to four? I mean, what do you do when you get mad? And that's what they are, in turn, going to do as they get older when, when they get mad. Because at the very least, on a subconscious level, they are internalizing all of that. All of those things that you do. Um, so really the most important thing you can do is live a good, honorable life. And I think your kids are going to pick up on that. Um, that's not to say you can just live a good life and forget about discipline and never interact with your kids. Because that, <coughs> that's not going to work either. Obviously you do have to have some sort of discipline if that's time out or taking away toys or whatever that might be. Um, But I think what they're really going to pick up in the long run is going to be the way you act. And that's where a lot of their coping mechanisms are going to come from. But also, don't let me underemphasize teaching. You should stop and teach them things and be like, hey, this is how I cope with problems. Why don't you try it? This is a good way to cope cope with problems. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that will really sink in when you also cope with your problems that way. Anyway, another thing that I think is really important to sort of share the true values maybe we have with our kids is just talk about your family a lot, like in a regular sense, just like periodically be like, oh, your grandma did this, and did you know your grandma's dad, and your grandpa's here, and it's like your family is your grandpa or whatever. Um, Because obviously family is a big thing for us and an important thing for us. So just mentioning family sometimes, I think is a really good and powerful thing that you should do, which just sort of says to your kids, well, you care about your family, and family is important. And um, that's good in two senses. In the first sense, they sort of get that importance of family and all of that, which is great. And also, when you get old, maybe you won't go to the nursing home, because it'll be like, ah, family, shoot, that's important. I've internalized that. Guess I can't send dad to the home. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, just saying, it could work out for you, too. No, that was a joke. The real thing is you want them to know that family is important, And if you never talk about your family and you're just like, hey, by the way, family is important, 
They're not going to pick up on that because you never talk about your family. You're not practicing what you're preaching. Your kids will never pick up and never really believe you if you say something, but then you act a different way. Okay, last, yeah, just two quick things. Um, oh, yeah, this sounds hippie, or perhaps I'm cold and callous, and only I would think this sounds hippie. But anyway, I think it's important to show your kids love. You know, yeah, you don't want to be soft, but you should probably hug them once in a while and just say, like, hey, I'm your family, and I love you, or I'm your dad, or I'm your mom, and I... <coughs> excuse me, I'm your dad, and I'm your... or or I'm your mom, and I love you, and you're appreciated. That's not so much like this comes straight from the lore, but it kind of is because there's a lot of connection, family connection in the lore. And um, Balder was shown a lot of love. I'm just saying that sometimes there's this mentality, and this could be totally a me thing, that this is all I think. That like you, that love isn't important and you don't need to show your feelings and stuff like that. But I think that actually is important, especially for a kid, to show your feelings. And if you're like, oh, well, tough guys don't do that. Again, you can look to the lore and you can see that everyone very much loved Balder and everyone cried when Balder was um, slain, except for, of course, the one. Um, the giantess who was probably Loki in disguise. He was the only one who didn't cry for Balder when he died. Everyone else in all the world cried for Balder when he died. And they very much showed him love. So don't be afraid to show your kids love. And, and you know, just say I love you. That's a good thing to say to your kids. And just let, let them know that they are important, that they're a part of your family, and they're very special to you. Um, it's just important to let your kids know you love them. Maybe that's common knowledge. I, I hope that's common knowledge, but I don't know. Um, this is a more for their older, so I don't have personal experience with this. Um, but I do think showing strength of character is important. Well, I guess even at this age, it's, it's kind of important. Uh, you want to show that you're not... So this goes back to... Uh, what does it go back to? I guess it sort of goes back to oaths. If you say something, do it. And actually, this does apply to young children. Even if it's something dumb, because gosh, so many times something dumb comes up. Um, my oldest is like, uh, can I have a marshmallow? And I'm like, no, we're having dinner in a couple minutes. You don't need a marshmallow. And she's like, oh, please. And it's like, no, you don't need a marshmallow. And then it turns into a giant fit. And I'm like, if I knew this would have happened, I would have just given you the dang marshmallow. But I didn't know it was going to happen. And once I'm like, no, you cannot have this thing. I don't think it's good to go back on that. I don't think it's good to be wishy-washy and change your opinions, and really that doesn't matter where. Obviously, if new information comes to light, you can change your opinions, but if you're the type of person who you change political parties every other election, it's like maybe you should figure out what's going on, or you change your moral stance every couple months. You need to figure out what's going on. You need to have a solid base and a solid understanding of who you are so you know what is right and wrong so you can pass that on to your kids. And one of the ways you can show that is by being firm with what you say. And it's like, if I say something, that is what I believe and I'm not going to change. 
And I think that's important because, I mean, there's obviously disciplinary applications for that. I think there's also, um, just like when they get older, you don't want them to be wishy-washy necessarily. You want them to have a good understanding of who they are. So you want to set the example of like, hey, as adults, we have a good understanding of who we are, whatever. Um, another big thing is I think that like, gosh, being a kid is crazy, I would think. I mean, obviously I was one, but that was a long time ago. But just like think for a moment all the stuff that goes on in a kid's life. It's like you're seeing things you've never seen before. It's like, oh, this is a tree. I've never seen a tree before. Um, this is existence. I've never really experienced existence before. Like literally everything is so new to them and so chaotic. And they're being bombarded by all sides with parents like me trying to teach them the alphabet and the numbers and how to add and subtract. And it's like so much is going on. It's crazy. It's just crazy to be a kid. And in all that craziness, I think it's important that like their parental units are a solid figure where they can be like, it's crazy what's going on. I'm going to daycare and dealing with these new kids. And now I'm over here and now I'm here. They need an anchor to be like, but this stays the same. And I think as a parent, it's it's important to have that ability to be consistent and and to be a good, strong, consistent where you can sort of be that anchor for your kids. So I guess that's kind of another thing I'm getting at. <coughs> Excuse me. And the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, this is like when you're telling them those stories or whatever, get their thoughts. What do they think? What do they think about this story or that story? And honestly, this is an true morality because this is straight back to knowledge. You need to explain to your kids and help your kids understand how to get knowledge in the world. Um, and, and one of the big ways you do that is just get them thinking about things. So when they respond to you in general, I think that's something that should really be encouraged. When they're like, I think this is the case. That's something that should be encouraged. It's like, oh, you think that's the case? That's great. Thanks for telling me what you thought. Now, maybe why did you think that? Or, I mean, don't get into the like, well, you thought that, but it was wrong. I mean, you don't really want to get into that aspect of it. But I just think it's important to get your kids' thoughts and see what they're thinking and encourage them. And, you know, if they are just, like, totally wrong out of left field, I do think it's important to maybe be like, oh, well, why did you think that? And, like, well, but maybe this is the more correct way to do it. Um, the only thing I was getting at is don't, like, just immediately shut them down and be like, oh, you thought that, but stop thinking you're bad at it. Uh, it but, but there's a, again, this is something I get from some people, and, and maybe everybody's not this way. I hope everybody's not this way. Where people just think kids are like these big dummies. And it's like, oh, it's a kid. It just kind of sits there and it says gibberish. I'm not going to pay attention to it. Kids are really smart. Kids pick up on a lot. Kids say interesting things. And I don't think we should ignore our kids. And it's, it's so easy to do with busy lives and everything. But again, one of the big things about true and appreciating your family and loving your family and getting to know your family, that applies to your kids as well. You really want to understand who and what they are and what they're thinking and what's going through their head. And sometimes it's really rewarding to see what they are thinking and what is going through their heads. So 
I don't know exactly what this podcast was about, so I I don't know what my closing thoughts are. I suppose I will just say, like, the morals of the gods and what they tell us through the lore is important things for us to learn. And if you do have kids, you do have family, I think it's really important to carry or pass that down to them. It's so tempting to be like, let's do bloat when the kids are asleep, because then we don't have to rein them in and we can really focus on the gods. And it's so easy to think, well, the gods are going to appreciate that because we are going to be focused. But I really think it's the case you should include your kids. And I think the gods will appreciate that because it's about family. They are our elder kin. They want to see the grandkids, so to speak. Um, there'd be a lot of greats in front of the grandkids. But still, they, I think the gods understand and appreciate us bringing our kids into bloat. Um there's just so much we want to pass on to our kids. And and I understand the idea that you feel as if, by sharing these things, maybe you feel as if you're pushing them. But you're not pushing them unless you're bribing them to come. You are just showing them the things that you know. You're showing them something that's important to you. So anyway, I guess what this is all about is just the idea that... As parents, we have the obligation and the privilege to pass down the things that we have learned in our lives to our children, just like our parents did. So don't hide things away from them. Don't hide true away from them and say they're not old enough or they want to understand it. Share it with them. See how they take them. Um, will they enjoy it? I don't know, but share it with them and see how they take it. Share all aspects of your life with your children. And in general... I think that's a good idea. So I, I think that's all I have to say. Um, kids are cool. Family is important. There's a lot of morality in the lore that you should work with and learn. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to leave it there. And I do want to thank everybody for listening. <laughs> Um, I want to remind you, if you want to check out my website, please feel free to do so. That is at www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. If you wanted to send emails, please feel free to do so. And that is at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I will see you next month, hopefully with lore. Rahel! <laughs>